evening, Patriots. And it is Wednesday, May 4th, year 2022. And if you're on the East Coast, I think you are now officially in May 5th. It's always nice to know that you're a little bit ahead and I don't have to deal with tomorrow yet. <laughs> but that's the way it is on the East Coast and over in Wales and other places around the world. Patriots, before we begin tonight, make sure you are taking good care of your health and your immune system. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at ExpeditionCoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Well, we are continuing to see the left unravel like never before. And I've said this many times, outside of a God-level event, there is no uniting. We just have to continue to fortify this position as remnant. We can pray, but we have to make sure that our ranks are strong as we face truly what this is, is truly a demonic evil. Here's another tweet tonight. This comes off of Steve Bannon's war room pandemic on uh, Telegram. This is from a Shelby Stoddenmayer. And she writes, if this is, you know, I always say this, you have to be careful because half of this stuff is probably CIA actors. And there's something really important to understand that because the agency is the CIA, the agency is just a complete hand puppet of the of the black monarchy out of Europe. And it's what runs the shadow parts of our government. It's what was responsible for bringing over the Nazis in Operation Paperclip. It's what's responsible for Operation Mockingbird and everything deceitful under the sun, it's coming out of that. So that in mind... When you read tweets, always remember that there's probably many more actors in this than we ever had any idea. The Truman Show concept may not be so far from the truth on many levels, especially as we start to look around at people. There's some footage that came out today that pretty much confirms that what you've been seeing a lot of lately of the Pope is a hologram. The problem that most people have is they're not believing that the technologies exist. And that's what I can assure you is that when you see it in public or they start to field it, you've been seeing holograms come out in terms of, matter of fact, there's another article today about how holograms are coming to TikTok. And this is all part of this new generation of 
technologies that they want to introduce with COVID. Well, they didn't just come up with in COVID. They've already had these technologies themselves for years. They're just mainstreaming them now to keep people contained, to keep people separated. And much of that I am increasingly convinced is because we are, it centers on the concept where two or three are gathered. I've talked about this before in the concept that we are a quantum soul. I honestly and truly believe that God has told us exactly what we're capable of. That when he says, if you pray and, and he will, he will provide, and I'm over, I'm paraphrasing, obviously there is something very powerful to that. And if you're keeping people separated, you're and in fear, you're not able to create that synthesis of common mind and, and focus towards God. They know this. And right now, as people awaken with information and knowledge and become aware of who we are and the potential of where we are, that true concept of having dominion over evil becomes very real. And it doesn't take a sort of steel. It takes a relationship, a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus and with Father. And working together, we can truly overcome this evil and we can totally disempower it. So, what I, why I say this is that this event, which I think the more that I look at this, I'm going to read this tweet and then I'm going to read another one, another perspective. But I don't think that the Supreme Court event is in our favor. I think it was intended to be another false flag, designed to be to keep people emotional and keep people divided. The problem is that if you're walking in faith, there should be no emotion in this moment right now. It's just what it is, and we're, we're simply observing, and as we go through this observation and we're praying, we're witnessing the emotion, but we're not in the emotion. So here's an example of this. Again, Shelby Stoddenmayer, could be Stoddenmeyer. You take away the, our rights to abortion, I promise you this, we are coming for your guns, your tax-free churches, and your Viagra. You didn't just poke the bear. You poked every woke woman, every interracial couple, every LGBTQIA. We will not back down. We will double down and win. This is fear, panic, and it's trying to project it onto us. Remember, their numbers are minuscule. The LGBTQAI plus garbage it represents approximately 5 million people in the country with sympathies probably up to 10, maybe as high as 20. When you talk about taking away our guns, it's laughable. And they want, they want that reaction. They want people to be angry. It's like, oh, right, you come and take it. it. That's what they think is going to be the reaction. But what is there to fear? You got the guns. You're not coming to my door to take my guns. They're going to take the guns with what? And who? And this is where they want the, the division piece that they want is constantly dividing and isolating, especially with the mask. They want everybody to feel alone and so our numbers are not many. Our, we are the majority in this nation. We just aren't vocal and too often we convince ourselves because we're not vocal, because we do a lot of our communing with God, that we're weak. That's their propaganda on us. We are very strong. And the strength that we have, each one of us, should never be questioned because our strength is through Christ. For me, I, I will be honest, it's very frustrating to me when I read comments legitimate or I get emails or I talk to people that are good people. 
centered in God, but they are consumed with this concerns of like, well, they're going to take our guns. They're going to do this. And it's like, stop. Or they, they run with narratives. They're like, well, yeah, pretty soon they're going to be coming to our yard and tearing up our garden. Stop. Who's going to do that? Are you strong in God or not? Are you standing strong with Jesus or not? Are you walking fearlessly or not? I mean, it's not even an option. So when you see stuff like this, and whether you're affected by it or not, it should be just laughable because, for one thing, you can see how petty it is and how desperate it is because they go from guns to tax-free churches. I could care less if you take away the tax-free church. Like, what's that going to do? But they don't have any relationship to the church. So they're like, we're going to get them. We're going to take away that tax-free church. Okay, so what's that going to do? Is that going, did God create a tax-free church? Because the last time I checked, God didn't check make a tax-free church. And then you're like, and then we're going to get your Viagra. And this is, <laughs> they're going to try to insult. And it's like, uh, I don't think that's a big issue over on this side of the fence. Maybe it is over on the LGBTQIA plus side because y'all are so confused. You don't know which way is up. And you poked every one of the woke women. You know what? Most of those woke women are men and confused anyway. So, again, I'm just kind of breaking that down for a reason because it tends to, these things can provoke a reaction. And I would hope that people don't just, don't even react. I mean, other than laugh because laughter is powerful. But Laura Logan did a great post. And it's very similar to what I spoke of in the last hour. And I, I introduced it in the last hour, and it came over, that came over from 4chan. And I'm looking at this, she's kind of framing the same thing. I, th- I think that there's, there's a lot of questions that have to be asked around the Roe versus Wade issue. And the center point is the manipulation. Whatever we do, it is essential now that every narrative is questioned. Every narrative. And whether it's Trump or whether it's Biden, whether it's, whether it's Flynn or whether it's Soros, I'm not comparing those two. It's just the names that I'm putting out. It's essential that the narratives are questioned because we get comfortable with narratives and we have to start questioning for truth. One of the most obvious truths, and I was just going through this a little bit ago, we have been seeing propaganda coming out of Ukraine, but we haven't seen ground footage coming out of Ukraine from the Ukrainian side. And the question that nobody's asking is why everyone is dr- jumping to a conclusion that either it's all true or they just bypass the reality that we're not getting real cell phone footage and real localized footage from Ukraine. Well, I did find a clip tonight of Ukraine and I'll post it up in the telegram on Bart's FM family room. If I haven't already, and the reason I bring this up is it's why they're not showing you is because what's in it. Ukraine soldiers, when you look at the real footage, they all have SS and Nazi symbology on them. The media doesn't want you to see that. So they're creating the propaganda because they want to cover that. And in the process of creating the propaganda, they're trying to smother over the reality of what's really going on over there, which is that they're getting slaughtered by the Russians and strategically and surgically being removed, and the Nazis are being called out because they have to be. It is a Nazi stronghold, which ties back to the Kazarian Mafia. 
So back to Laura Logan's tweet, which gets us back to Roe versus Wade. And she writes, For so long, Roe versus Wade has been untouchable. Now we're supposed to believe a Supreme Court that won't hear vote fraud cases and frequently rules out rules against conservatives was suddenly united in turning over abortion law, an issue near dear to the hearts of so many that was guaranteed to stir up a frenzy of emotion on both sides. Hmm, she writes, it stinks before you even get to the leak. What you need to know, they use emotion to exploit you because it drives action and they control both sides of the narrative. What's the one side of the narrative they don't control? The relationship with God and the relationship through Christ. That's the one side. And it's a critical component to always keep in mind because when we're navigating through this maze, and it is a maze, it's a difficult one. Where do you sit? And any day, at any time, at any moment that you start to consider and question where a narrative sits, first place to turn, turn to prayer to Jesus. It's pretty simple. Here's another one today. This is by Wayne Root. You'll be shocked at this story. A little birdie tells me Putin is invading Ukraine to expose secrets of Biden crime family. Huge Hunter and Joe Biden corruption is hidden there. Putin will get all will get it all, destroy Biden, and embarrass the USA. He's sick of being lectured on corruption in Russia. He will expose Biden as the biggest crook, fraud, and traitor in the history of the USA. I don't have any doubt about that. And so a lot of what the media is doing is trying to constantly keep the, the ball moving so that nobody's looking there. And again, as we get swept up with these narratives, we're constantly being drawn away from Christ. I mean, just to highlight that one point there, and this is a headline out of Russian, uh, which is Russian news, RT news. And this was posted on 3 May 2022. So that was yesterday. And it reads, headline reads, Pentagon and American firms involved in Ukrainian military biolabs, Russia's top investigator. Alexander Bastrikin told RT about case, a case launched over the alleged development of biological weapons. And it's all pointing back. He added that the U.S. has spent more than four, $224 million on biological programs in Ukraine since 2005. The investigator added that foreign aid was used to equip and upgrade around 30 research centers governed by Ukraine's defense, health, and agriculture ministries. We know that we're deep in this because we know that our government has been an insurgents government for years and they're waging a war on the, against Russia through Europe and they're waging a war against us because they're trying to take down the two superpowers to ultimately paralyze the world. Let me just put that in another context because this is a really good post here that comes out of Dark Universe 09. And it actually comes from the conservativewoman.co.uk. The genie is out of the bottle. Welcome to eugenics, Britain. And it reads, I'm going to read a good part of this. 
The author does an admirable job of laying out the evidence that COVID-19 was has been deliberately weaponized to crush out only not only the population of UK, but the population of scores of economically advanced countries too. The mandatory digital future that awaits us, in my opinion, deceitfully suggests we'll be living more circumscribed lives, but otherwise normally will resume or normalcy will resume. I'm afraid that's not going to be going to happen. Many of the backers of this global coup d'etat, this planetary shakedown, are longtime eugenicists hell-bent on population reduction. It's folly to consider for a moment that this bunch of criminals executed a two-year-plus throttling of the global economy and supply chains so that they could install a totalitarian control system, after which things would be pretty much back to what was, would pass for normal. The, prep, the perpetrator's view of the future would simply uh, have fewer of us in it. As Yuval Harari tells us, billions of people will be useless and pointless. Only the self-appointed elite and the chosen few, 100 million or so, around to service the, their needs would be permitted to live, while the rest of us, I believe, will be offered by means of selected toxins masquerading as vaccines, which will be a mandatory to accept. The Club of Rome has been hand-wringing for half a century about how there will be too many of us. I think there were about 3 billion of us back then. The population is now close to 8 billion. Back then, there was an arbitrary claim that an optimal population should be 1 billion for sustainability. The Georgia Guidestones explains just how just 500 million people for the entire planet is the right number. How to go from 800 million or 8,000 million to 500 million? Obviously not by natural wastage. It requires mass murder using methods for which there is an ostensible good reason and good savings of plausible deniability. Mass media keeps the truth off of people's screens. Most people are all but unable to accept the establishment that they assume has their best interest at heart is, a, is in cohorts, cahoots with greater lunatics than the world has ever seen. I cannot communicate the frustration I feel at how very few of us anywhere can take seriously the threats we face and at least offer some resistance. So here's my comment, and it's because this sentiment is growing, and there's a growing sentiment that we are heading into a doom. And yet I don't think that this is true. If we're going to sit by and continually look, we're going to produce the narratives that they want, we're going to live the outcome that they desire. That's the first step. So again, if we're going to believe and follow the narratives that they produce, we will live the outcomes that they desire. In this fight, not one time, I would, other than China perhaps, and China's a different case because that's, and they're select, they're very selective in certain targeted areas. Like in what I was going to say is there's nothing been forced. But in China, what you're seeing is forced compliance has to do with one area right now, which ironically, we're constantly getting media out of Shanghai and we're seeing people locked in. We're seeing people put into these. That information that's flowing out of China is intentional. And it's being shoved into the world's sphere so people will see it and believe it 
and be afraid. Once again, what is the one theme over and over and over that they do? They manipulate people to accept fear as the baseline. And in that, what happens? We break, we accept what they give, we don't resist, and then it's reinforced in our church system and in the way most faith is taught that we are to be compliant and even picking out quotes to suggest that government, we must be obedient to government like slaves. Christ was not. He was a radical, and yet they don't teach that. The strength within the Christian faith in this country is broken because it's been compromised to the agendas of the deep state, which tie us back to many, many of the churches are directly or indirectly linked to the agendas that are coming out of the Vatican. And this is very important to understand because even this narrative here is a defeatist narrative. He is accepting that they will somehow be forced to comply. Why? There, we have the numbers but people are unwilling to sacrifice. Christ sacrificed, and yet we are unwilling to sacrifice because of what? What are we afraid of? And this is the most, the greatest hypocrisy ever, that we have been given life and told that we will be persecuted, and yet we are not willing to sacrifice, and Christ is. It's like people said, well, he did it for me. I don't, I don't want to do it. That's, that's horrible, but I'll, I'm glad I got what I got out of it. That's weakness, absolute weakness. So we have to get past these narratives of fear. And we have to start getting into the realness of the consequences of life. There is life with God and through Christ, and there is hell. It's pretty simple. And it doesn't get a lot more difficult than that. I have something interesting to share tonight. And most are familiar with the word Gehenna, which references the valley in Gehenna. And Gehenna is really kind of the warning that's given about hell because Gehenna was the garbage dump. Christ was there. And there's even some references that Gehenna is where the bodies were burned. But here's what Gehenna was before Christ and why this becomes so apropos for today. Gehenna was the valley where they were burning and sacrificing the children in the kings that came before Christ. So when Christ refers to Gehenna as hell, that's literally the it is a reference to the burning that was occurring there. That's how deep and dark that place represents when he talks about hell. That is the lake of fire in symbology. So we have to start realizing and taking into the seriousness of this truly what our responsibilities are. We have become very complacent to assume that and take that role that Christ died for my sins, I accept Christ, check the box. Now I just need to sit quietly and kind of hang out and wait for that time when either he returns or I die and I join everybody in, in the happy hunting grounds of heaven. It's really quite a slap in the face to the entire principle of what our role is here. Let me read The Rich Man and Lazarus because I think this it's not listed as a parable. It basically is a parable. And, and so we get this kind of framing. Uh, 
Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, enjoying himself in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus, who laid at his gate, covered with sores. And the longing to be fed from the scraps which fell from the rich man's table. Not only that, the dogs also were coming and licking his sores. Now it happened that the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's arms. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades he raised his eyes being in torment and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus Lazarus in his arms. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received for good things. You received your good things and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set, so that those who want to go over from here to you will not be able, nor will any people cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I request of you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that they may warn them that they will not come to this place of torment as well. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. This is a very, very direct and and very clear passage that the sacrifices of this time are expected and the comfort of sitting in comfort does not lead to the greatness. And this is all red letter language. This is shared to us by Christ. And I say that because many times, and I will hear things like this, where people will say, yes, but but Christ said that our sins are forgiven. That doesn't mean inaction. And it doesn't mean accepting the narratives that are put upon us as those that we are defeatist. We have to be strong and fighting in this time, reaching out, living into this world. And the way that this war is being won by them, if for some, I mean, I, I think it depends on what perspective you hang, but there is, a, there is a lot of damage at least that they have done. And it has never been forced. That's the Peter I keep coming to. Lazarus was without. All the king had to do was give. And all of these things that we are in now deal with free will. We are trapped where we are because we believe the narratives which they put before us. And arguably, it's because it's a comfortable life. It's a convenient life 
It's an easier life. We have our homes. We tend to our days. We like to dream about the, the narratives of fear or the, the ugliness of the world. But we're not taking the actions necessarily that are going to make the difference. We have to literally be involved in the world, not just thinking about it. And the more that we absorb their narrative, their message, the more that we step away from Father. I'm absolutely convinced of this because we have the ability to change things. We have the ability to transform. The question is, are we doing it? And apparently we weren't, or at least we haven't for a long time, and still many aren't. Because the truth in that little piece I read a minute ago is that many still don't believe what's going on. That many do believe in the institution the way it is. I run into this all the time. Even people in defiance will say this. They'll say things like, yes, I know they're doing this there, but we have, we've, we're going to fight this way in the system. The system is broken. It's being run by criminals. It will do anything and everything to win. There are no rules in this type of war. And in total war, there are no rules. So the question is, why do we keep clinging on to the rules of men and keep hanging on to the hopes of men when the only true power and force we have that can win this is in the strength which we are given in Christ and the mandates that have been given to us. Those mandates that I read literally every night, Luke 10, 19, Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Luke 10, 19, red letter language. And John 14, 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, the only one who believes in me the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Profound statements into what we have been blessed with and been authorized by God to do. That doesn't say in there, you can walk on snakes and scorpions, but you're going to have to accept that they're going to force an injection on you and you're going to be mandated to take something that's not yours to take but you're going to be weak and feckless and they're going to overcome you. It doesn't say that. And yet there's a willingness for people to really embrace that narrative. And in so doing, there's a greater acceptance. The struggle that I think that we are dealing with most right now across the culture is that people don't want to accept the level of rancor and corruption that truly exists. And because of that, because there's facades, because you have Trump talking good things, or you have someone else talking the things you want, we want to hear. When people hear that, there's a migration to that, and it's like, well, good, finally, somebody's on my side. Somebody's going to speak to me. Somebody's going to help us. Somebody's going to lead us. Why do we need that? That's the question that I'm, ask, I'm asking myself every day. Why do we constantly seek to need someone to lead us when we already have that? We have it in Jesus. And we don't need anything else. Yet we're, we migrate back to this constantly and we trip into the traps of idolatries 
And when we're in the traps of idolatries, we're lost. This group that's controlling the world is committed. They are, and I've said this before, they are truly loyal to their God, small g. They are completely dedicated to their mission of destroying God's creation, of eradicating us, of lying to us, of manipulating us because we are nothing much more than cattle to them. And they enjoy the gullibility and the foolishness of us and how easily we are distracted. And yet they are not distracted. They are laser focused on the end goal of manifesting Lucifer or the Antichrist and bringing about an order where God's children are completely eradicated or subdued to never be able to reach heaven and to be able to look at God and say, they are now ours. There's no question about that perspective. They relish in the idea of destroying newborns. They are such a frenzy over this. What we've seen is with this release, we're seeing their true agendas with this Roe versus Wade thing because they're trying to push a broader agenda. Expecting to use this leak to over-intimidate people and simultaneously quite likely cover the fact that so many women now are infertile and so many men are infertile because they took the shot. But they're using all of this once again as this projection Aggression is of uh, their projection is that of aggression and intimidation. And I'm just trying to figure out why Christians are always the first to slurk, to slink away, to go quiet. Oh, I, I mustn't, I mustn't get upset. I must love them. That's not love. Not when you're dealing with enemies like this. This is pure evil. And we are at war and have been at war. And we've had God's son sacrificed by these same people, not sacrificed, murdered. Why does that not enrage people with righteous indignation? Why not? The fact that the people that were there, all of those around him denied him for fear. It was all fear. Everyone denied him. Everyone turned on him. All based on fear. And that, to me, is absolutely stunning when you think about it. So here we are, and we are in a point which, quite frankly, we could consider this a point of redemption. We have a window now when we're able to see clearly the same enemy, the same mentality, the same aggressiveness, the same formats of Pharisees. We're hearing this, this class of what they declare as Jews. They call themselves Jews, whoever they are, online proclaiming that abortion is a right, that they are guaranteed. That's coming out of a version of the Talmud. This isn't the walk of Christ. These are the, these are the words, literally, the words of Lucifer. And these are the trickers, tricksters that are going on. 
And yet, here we are. And it's the Christians as a whole that should be standing up strongly, fearlessly, saying absolutely not. And yet, for some reason, here we are. We're getting railroaded again. None of this makes any sense from the strength of what Jesus was. It makes perfect sense from the indoctrination. of what churches have become. I want you to listen to this piece here. This is stunning, to be quite frank. And this comes from a minister who goes by the name of Brandon Robertson, and he leads progressive Christianity in his church. Take a listen to this. As a Christian minister, I want you to hear me loud and clear. God has given all human beings authority and autonomy over our own bodies. And if Roe v. Wade is struck down, this will be yet another assault on women's authority and autonomy over their own bodies. As people of faith, as followers of Jesus, we must stand up, speak up, use our voices and votes to demand that this tidal wave of regression fueled by far-right Christians must be stopped. If we are going to bend the moral arc of this nation towards God's vision of justice and equity, we must demand that women's rights are protected. And abortion is health care. Abortion is a fundamental right for women. We must not let this assault continue. As a Christian minister, I want you to hear me loud. Yeah, we heard him. We heard him. That's what's infecting, I mean, that's one church, but this is all part of what they call a progressive theology. It's sickening, to be quite frank. And the progressive theology, which I did a little research on today, is quite interesting because what it does is it speaks to a certain measure of truth. And some of those things that it has, for example, it says our faith is primarily about following the teachings of Jesus, primarily. This is right off their website, by the way. This church, if you're curious, is Metanoia, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A, center.org, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A, center.org. So listen to this breakdown. Our faith is primarily about following the teachings of Jesus. We believe that God's fundamental nature is love. We take the Bible seriously, but... Not always literally. We believe God speaks. We believe that God speaks through our cultures, traditions, and religions. That's plural. We believe that God's love will save absolutely everyone in the end. No consequences. Nothing like what Jesus was talking about in Luke 16, 19 to 31, the rich man and Lazarus. We believe that no sexuality or gender identity is inherently sinful. We believe the worship of God desires that we do justice, that we do justice, not God. We embrace ancient tradition, whatever that is, while also listening for fresh direction from the Holy Spirit. 
Now, here's the kicker. Listen to this carefully. We believe that history, science, and reason are gifts from God and are authoritative sources of truth of God's revelation. History, science, and reason are institutions of men that are now assume authoritative sources in the truths of God's revelation. That's, that's heresy right there. We believe that as finite beings speaking about the infinite creator, we should have humility and a willingness to learn, grow, and evolve. We believe that certainty is the opposite of faith. We believe that, <laughs> that's a nice little trick. We believe that certainty is the opposite of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We believe that it is in our diversity that we most most reflect God's divinity. This is a communist Christianity, so we say this. And it's important to appreciate this. This is literally Marxism put into a Christian form. The outside of the church has two LGBTQ rainbow banners out there. And this is the corruption. We, we have to be... And this corruption is permeating, by the way. They are working to rewrite Scripture and Bibles currently with this sort of tempering of the Scriptures. And they're doing it through new translations. We literally have the obligation to be bold, to be loud, to be heard, not to be passive and not to be wimps. And when what happens is just like this guy here, he's aggressive, he's pushing forward. This is the progressive format to speak aggressively, to speak in a pressure forward way, to be pushing a very strong message that has no room. There aren't that many pastors that are doing that these days on the other side. It's like we have to move, we have to have pastors now that kind of speak soft, like, you know, we got to get along. And we want to be sensitive to everybody. I don't. I won't. And I don't take it. We need less of the suits and patent leather shoes and the slick back hair. And we need a whole lot more of the fire and brimstone of aggressive counterpunches to this. And it doesn't have to come from the pulpit. It should also be coming from the pews. Because again, if narratives were not important, and this is the war of the mind, this is the war of the narrative. If narratives weren't important, it wouldn't really matter whether you read scripture or not. It wouldn't really matter if you listened to the teachings of Jesus or not. It wouldn't, the deep state wouldn't spend a hundred years of intensified propaganda through every single resource to constantly reinforce messages. And what we say is like, well, they're deep programming and people are falling into traps. But understand what they're actually doing is they're manifesting a future by putting in the messages into people's head. So the question becomes, what would a world look like if in that it was faced with these narratives that in the counterpunch of this, the only thing that were in people's heads was the word of God. I will tell you what that world would look like, and it would look like a world of God. 
but it would also be a strong and powerful world world that would stand up to these narratives and not accept them like spineless wimps. We will shape this future through the power of the, the sword of the spirit. And the sword of the spirit is the word of God. What we're ingesting is the words of Lucifer, which we call things like propaganda, MK Ultra. We takes the form of mainstream media and the indoctrinations of our schools. We complain about that. We say this isn't fair. It is fair because it's war. And it's been war our entire life. We just haven't been willing to accept it because over in our churches, they've been telling us otherwise. And I'm very critical of this because never have we not been in war. And it was the church's responsibility to indoctrinate the armies of God, his children, to be prepared for this war. And we haven't been. So we have to get that sort of battle armor on. We have to put the armor of God on with the helmet of salvation to understand quite clearly where we are going, to understand that this is a world that has true consequences. As Lazarus and the king have been demonstrated, there are consequences to how we live. And if we're going to roll up and just simply live a comfortable life while the mouthpieces of of heresy speak out like this pastor dude and multiplied by many different domains, whether it's coming out of Google, whether it's coming out of MSN, wherever the source is, if we're going to allow that just to simply roll us over and all we're going to say is, well, I just need to wait till I'm dead or Christ returns. I just want to kind of stay in my own little corner. We're not living the fullness of that life. We're not going through the suffering that's necessary to achieve victory. And suffering doesn't mean that you have to be at the gate starving and having the dogs lick your wounds. But I will tell you this, suffering means that there needs to be a physical push and demand because this is war. And if we aren't pushing ourselves, who will push us? The complacency and the convenience in this world is what's killing us. We would so easily win this victory, literally with a defiant and deeply entrenched belief in God that stood to this evil and said, no, not a chance you are ever coming across this line, period, end of story. And it wouldn't need to be a sort of the sword of steel. All of this is centered on the power of the sword of the spirit because we haven't achieved the numbers yet of true defiance. We, sure, there's rallies. And sure, there's things like January 6th where there's, you know, milling around and everybody having a good time and then bemoaning the fact that everybody got set up. That's the enemy. Why aren't we infiltrating them? Why are we always being infiltrated by the enemy? Why are we always being railroaded by their narratives? Why are we accepting the narratives that they put in before us at all? Because through the strength of God, none of this should even stand. And if we're truly standing strong in this fight, none of this is going to touch us. It literally rolls right off of us. And we just keep marching forward. Onward, Christian soldier, literally. So I just encourage everybody to really start to embrace 
that nobility, that grace, that power, that authority that God has given us. Nowhere in scripture does it said, I shall produce a bunch of weakling marshmallows that'll sit in pews and wait for my son to return. It's not saying that. What it is saying is, Christ will return, and yes, Jesus will return. But we've got work to do. And we we know that with the authorities that we have been given, that we have dominion over evil, which means if we will truly embrace that authority, we win. And then when Christ comes, he's going to be looking around going, whew, <laughs> nice job. Something like that anyway. Can't really speak for him, but... It was a nice idea. A powerful, powerful opportunity that we have if we will seize it. Carpe diem, seize the day. Because what gets at me is that when we find heretical pastor ministers, I can't even use that term, heretical ministers like this two-bit Luciferian mouthpiece that we just listened to, They're seizing their day. They're aggressive. They're recruiting a flock. They're bringing their flock into this blasphemy. We better get busy because he's not just one. There's many like him. This is God's world stewarded to us to occupy and to expand. And the options aren't like, well, God, sorry, we did the best we could. That story of Lazarus again, do you want to be in the arms of Abraham or do you want to be in the fires of Hades? I think, in my opinion, that's pretty much the message Jesus was giving us. Make a choice. Choose the right way. Choose wisely. Let's pray. Jesus, come to you tonight just very humbled and equally just eyes open for the level of deceit that's infiltrated our church, God's home, God's houses across this world, and it's sickening. Jesus, we, as we read your words, as we read the words of the rich man and Lazarus, it just it stirs that awakening within us that awakening of consequence to live with sacrifice or to live with comfort. You have blessed us with so much. You have sacrificed so much for us. And yet there persists in every one of us a hesitancy to step out beyond our limits and to push that limit and window to where we accept the sacrifice for this world, for the greater kingdom. Forgive us. We need to find a way to go farther, harder, be more bold. And we know that you can guide us in that. You know that you can direct us in that. And and we know that through you, we have no fear. Forgive us for our transgressions, but hear our hearts. And this applies to anybody that's willing to step into this space. Lead us and direct us. Give us 
that direction to move and we will sh- and we shall obey this is a time for us to seize the land to occupy and expand the kingdom to step aside from the nonsense of these narratives to visualize to share in our prayers and our thoughts the world that we want to bring about and to trust in you that it shall become that so jesus hear our prayers hear our hearts forgive us for our transgressions and lead us in this fight in the way you need us to go to be bold to be fearless and to carry that strength that you carried all the way through the cross And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This is truly an opportunity for all of us to find new levels of achievement, new levels of accomplishment, new levels to rise to. And it's a beautiful time to do it. Because while we have these dirtbags out here trying to spread heresy, We also have the many who are seeking. And the last thing that we want when we have our judgment before Father is to not be able to point to all the successes. We don't want to stand there and he'll say, but look at all the people that went this way and all you had to do was reach out and say some simple words, whatever those words were. And whatever those words are are going to come from Father. They're going to come from Jesus. It's not a problem. But we have to have the courage to reach into this space and not let the heretical teachers lead the many. And this is why there are so many are rising right now, because so many are awakening. And so what's Lucifer naturally going to do? He's going to deploy his legions to trick them, to pull them away. We have to reach to those that are seeking and boldly lead them. Not, we can't force them, obviously. Just as we can't force them, neither can they. That's the amazing thing. So our time is here and now. We are the ones to to lead this mass and these many. And what a blessed gift that is from Father. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Reach deep in your prayers. Ask for that guidance. Ask for that wisdom. Ask for those opportunities. Be clear on what you're wanting. Share the vision of the world we're trying to achieve. And not every one of us is going to see it the exact same way. Father doesn't expect that. But he needs to hear it because we need to share it. And never forget where two or three are gathered because that's so significant. That's the core of why everybody's been divided and masked and isolated. They're so afraid of people coming together. Ask yourself why. We know why. Because we literally shape the world. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But just imagine how significant it is that we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. He knows. And so do we in our heart. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time.
God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now. Sometimes when below
something to find. 